0: Welcome to Lifelines, this is John Augustine. When I was in high school, many girls I knew had memorized at least 25 phone numbers. Friends, family, boyfriends. How many phone numbers have you memorized recently? The Iliad and the Odyssey are the root stock of our civilization. They are epic in size and subject matter. Combined, they run to 25,000 lines of poetry celebrating kings, gods, and warriors. They were the people's entertainment and the pseudo-history of their ancestors. The earliest written fragments date from 200 B.C. Scholars estimate the poems were written 500 years earlier. The poems were traditionally understood to be songs composed by a blind musician named Homer. The study of this subject has been dominated by the Homeric question, who was Homer, where and when did he live? Ancient Greece was an illiterate culture. Could an illiterate person compose, memorize, and sing 25,000 lines of poetry? In 1923, Milman Perry, a young classic student at Harvard, had a brainstorm, which he would pursue for the rest of his brief career. The style of the epics suggested there was no individual creator, but that they had evolved over centuries of oral performance, traditional tales retold, until a version of the stories was eventually written down. There was no Homer. Perry investigated the style of the poems. One element was word pairs like bright-eyed Athena, the wise warrior goddess. That phrase turns up 29 times in the Iliad and 38 times in the Odyssey. Swift ships is also a popular pair, even when the ships are pulled up on the beach. These pairs served as memory cues and also helped the singer keep the beat. Homer's epics are built on a 12-syllable line with a beat-rest-rest rest rhythm. Waltz time. Achilles is sometimes referred to as podus Ochis Achilles, swift-footed, and sometimes dios Achilles, godlike Achilles, depending entirely on how it fits in the line. Keep the beat and you keep the story. Plus, the style of the poems is always additive, moving relentlessly forward. Perry came up with an ingenious method to test his theory. He felt he had to find a performing epic poet, preferably illiterate and study him. His search took him to one of the few places the art still survived, Yugoslavia. Strange to think that nation existed for less than 75 years, a made-up country combining Serbians, Croatians, Bosnians, and a few others with a long history of warfare among them. One singer wore a black band in his hat, a mourning band, for the Serbian defeat at Kosovo in 1389. Another poet Perry identified as a former bandit. He took his family with him as far as the city of Dubrovnik and headed into the backcountry with one companion, a former student named Albert Lord, who was responsible for numbering and labeling the field notes and hundreds of pounds of recordings. They had applied for a grant which included an allowance for horses to transport them into regions without roads. And they found singers. Farmers, stonemasons, none of whom could read, but they could sing a story for hours, accompanying themselves on the simplest one-string instrument. One night, when the performer's string broke, his friend went out in the street, cut off some hair from a horse's tail, and restrung the instrument. The song resumed. Perry and Lord heard the same songs from different singers that had been sung in these mountains for generations. The heroes, the adventurers, stayed largely the same. But the details varied. Sometimes the same singer would change the lyrics he had sung the previous night. Their poem songs, too, were held to a beat and the weight of tradition. Eventually, they found an illiterate performer named Avdo Medodovich. He sang one song for them, full of fire and soul. He sang for two hours in the morning and two hours in the afternoon, for a week, until his voice broke down. When he recovered, he resumed singing. And when it was over, he had performed a work of 13,000 lines, almost as long as the Odyssey. The researchers had not witnessed anything like it for scale and grandeur. It was possible. Perry returned to the States with all his notes and recordings, but shortly afterwards he was killed in a gun accident. He died before he could catalog, let alone publish his findings. It was left to Lord, his assistant, to carry on, publishing and expanding on their discoveries, revolutionizing our understanding of oral epic poetry, a tradition that will continue, at least until smartphones come to the Balkans. The book is called Hearing Homer's Song by Robert Canigal. This program has been Lifelines. I'm John Augustine.